Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Blum, and this is episode number 427. I thought we'd do something a little bit, it's not really different because I'm doing another reading, but I'm doing something that I haven't quite done before, which is actually reading a choose-your-own-adventure-style story on the show, but we're going to do it in real time, and we're going to pick a, we'll just kind of see how far it goes. We'll pick a storyline and kind of go forward. And then we'll kind of see what happens. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. But I have read this book before. Uh, this is perhaps the very first one of this kind that I ever had, and I got it at school. It was at a library, like one of those little library or classroom book sales. And it is, it was. I look at the price here. It was two dollars and twenty-five cents, and it is an endless quest book, which is kind of a like a competitor to choose your own adventure, but this is the this is the one that was put out by for the Dungeons and Dragons sort of world, and this is my first exposure to Dungeons and Dragons aside from the action figure line and the cartoon. So I probably got this when I was in about third grade or so, and uh, by that time Dungeons and Dragons was of course a well established sort of thing that was I don't know mid 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 eighties or something like that. But anyway, mid to late eighties probably. This came out in. This name of this book is called Song of the Dark Druid, and I bought it because of the cover, which is I would a thing that I would, a strategy I guess you could say that I would uh, employ for many future fantasy books, and it did not generally serve me well. But in this one, I think it did because one, I didn't know any better, and but but two, uh, the cover on this particular book is really cool, and I enjoyed the inside of it. It's one of those few ones where I was like, I actually enjoyed that. The outside reflected the inside. Now, the way these books worked was they were all standalone from what I could tell. Uh, you didn't really need to know anything about any of the previous, like, choose-your-own-adventure-style books for the to, for you to enjoy these. And you didn't need to know anything about the Dungeons & Dragons world, really, to enjoy these either. They're all kind of standalone, which is, of course, why when I was writing The 13th Hour, I wanted it to be a standalone world like that. But... The other thing, too, is that these were very self-contained in that it wasn't a linear story. You could pick a story line that you would follow, and it might differ, uh, it might differ depending on the reading and the choices that you made. So that's, of course, why uh, that format, I think, was so popular when I've been writing this Choose Your Own Adventure Rocketeer story. Uh, it follows a very similar uh, path. And you remember way back... One of my earlier guests on the show, Chad Jardowski, he wrote his own Choose Your Own Adventure book called Fortune Favors the Bold. And uh, it's a throwback to those. And it's and if you can find it, it's out of print, unfortunately, which is a real shame. But uh, if you can find it out there, it is well worth your read. It's hilarious and it's awesome. And check out those episodes. So uh, Endless Quest book number 36 by Josepha Sherman and called Song of the Dark Druid. Now, this is also illustrated. Many of these books were illustrated. The cover art is by Jeff Easley, who is a famous fantasy art uh, painter. And uh, you'll see a link to it in the show notes. Or a link, well, you'll see a link to the show, or to the to the book, where you can you can probably find it on eBay and stuff like that. But I'll take a picture of the book as well. The illustrations, all, a lot of these books had line illustrations, black and white illustrations. Interior art by Jim Holloway, and it is put out by TSR. And it's from March of 1987. Yeah, so this would have probably just come out. I probably got it in 1987. So here we go. 
You are about to set off on an adventure in which you will meet many dangers and face many decisions. Now, this is one of like, just like the Choose Your Adventure books, it is written in the second person. Your choices will determine how the story turns out. So be careful. You must choose wisely. Do not read this book from beginning to end. Instead, as you are faced with a decision, follow the instructions and keep turning to the pages where your choices lead you until you come to an end. At any point, your choice could bring you success or disaster. You can read Song of the Dark Druid many times with many different results. So if you make an unwise choice, go back to the beginning and start again. Good luck on your adventure. In this book, you are Ardan, youngest son of Kredag, chief of your clan, not sure how to pronounce it. Your father wants you to follow in his footsteps as a warrior, but you can handle a sword as well as anyone your age. You long to be a bard like your deceased mother was. You've even managed to learn to play the harp a little, sing uh, the simple charms and uh, a little. And um, But every time you mention your desire to be to your father, he becomes furious. You know that a showdown with your father is fast approaching. A warrior, you mutter to yourself. We've got enough warriors in the family. If only I could show you. Ardan asked the puzzled voice. What did you say? You come back to yourself with a start. At the moment, you aren't facing your father in his fortress. You're standing in the forest where you and your friend Derry have come to hunt. Derry is staring at you. Embarrassed at having been caught talking to yourself, you give yourself or you give him a quick grin. Like you, Derry wears a tunic and cloak of brightly colored wool. And like you, he wears sturdy leather boots and has a boy's sword at his side, but he also carries a javelin. Unlike you, he is as golden-haired as your brothers. He's bigger and stronger than you, too. He sometimes makes you mad because he acts without thinking, but Derry never laughs at your dreams, and the two of you are good friends. It's almost night, he says now. I guess we'd better start back. Although he doesn't say it, you know he's nervous. After all, tonight is the night of the full moon. Everyone in your clan knows that strange things walk when the moon is full. But your mother wasn't afraid of such things, and neither you tell yourself are you. Still, your father will be angry if you stay out too late. It would be best to return home. You turn to leave, then stop short. Someone's calling your name. Ardan, echoes a faint, faraway cry. Ardan, Ardan, come to us. Help us. We beg you. Come to us. Ardan, says Derry sharply. Why are you stopping? Let's go. Don't you hear it? You ask slowly. Hear what? I don't hear anything. What's the matter with you? You shake your head. The strange, faint, beautiful voice is still calling your name, pleading with you to come. Why can't Derry hear it? Sorcery? You shudder at the thought and cover your ears, but it's no use. You can still hear the voice. But can anything so beautiful really be evil? What if someone actually needs your help? This is the beginning. This is beginning to sound like the start of one of your mother's bardic adventures. How can you possibly turn back when such a call comes to you personally? Nah, you have to find out what's going on. Derry, you tell yourself quickly, I don't want to get you in trouble. You can go home now if you want. But, well, I do hear something, and I've got to find out what it is. Derry hesitates, staring down at the javelin in his hand. You really should be a bard, Ardan, he says, shaking his head. Because you're already talking in riddles. But I'm not going to let you go off alone. You smile at each other, then Derry's smile becomes a grin. Besides, he adds, I'm not so ready to go back either. If we go home now without having caught even a rabbit, everyone's going to make fun of us. All right, you cry. Come on, it isn't really dark yet. But you follow the sound of that mysterious voice. The night quickly grows very dark indeed, and the moon rises, shedding a cold sliver or silver light over everything. You hear Derry gasp, and then you hear you give a little gasp yourself. 
In front of you, a bare hill rises out of the forest. On that hill is a towering ring of stone. The place of the old ones, whispered Derry. We shouldn't be here, not at night. Nonsense, you stammered. Nothing to be afraid of, only... What's that? The air inside the circle of stones has begun to shimmer in the moonlight. Figures seem to be forming. Figures you can you can almost see through as, as though they're ghosts. But these aren't ghosts. They aren't human either. They're tall, beautiful people, more beautiful with their pale hair and glowing green eyes than anyone you've ever seen. And this is the cover illustration, I believe. That the, they're the they, they must be the folk of fairy, breathed Derry, and you silently agree. The strange folk don't seem to be too happy to see you. A boy, they moan. Two boys. Our spell has failed. It hasn't brought us heroes, only children. Their leader, a slender woman crowned with silver, holds up a graceful hand to silence them. Yet these, I believe, will be the ones to help us. She turns to you. I am Lilel, queen of these folk. It is one of my own people, Malgarath, who's turned traitor and trapped us. Quickly, she tells you about Malgarath, a druid, a fairy, whose hunger for new magics led him to study evil spells. Those spells turned Malgarath evil as well, and now he's become a dark druid, a sorcerer. When I, not realizing how great his power had grown, tried to stop him, Lilil continues, he cast a spell on us. He drew us from our world and trapped us here in a gray space between your realm and that of fairy. Oh, but... But we see you, protests Sari. You see only an image, the queen corrects him wearily. Creating it drained all of my power. Soon I must give up, and we shall fade into the grayness once more. That's terrible, you gasp. But but what makes you think we could be of help? We're no magic users. How could we ever help you? Malgarath is guarding himself only against magic. So where great mages might not succeed, two brave humans just may win the day. Lilel speaks faster as she and the other figures begin to fade. Listen carefully. Malgrath stole the Song of Gold from us and fled to these lands to study it. With the Song's power, we could defeat him. Without it, we are lost. If Malgrath succeeds in turning the power of the Song from good to evil, by the time of the moon's next quarter, when the moon is waning and the sorcerer's powers are strongest, then we will truly be doomed. Your own mortal world lies in peril as well. Uh, I don't understand, you stammer. You see, young mortal, the song of gold, once turned to evil, will have one task and one task only. It will slowly, surely drain the hope, the joy, the very life of your lands to feed its master's dark powers. Once that terrible process has begun, none shall be able to stop it. You can barely see her fading form shimmering in the moonlight now. Wait, you cry. What is the song of gold? Where is it? How do we find it? Seek linen dew or minute ore, comes a faint, weary whisper, black lake or bleak mountain. Malgarath's power has been felt at both. His fortress lies either at lake or at mountain. You and Derry strain to hear a fading voice. Steal back the song of gold ere the moon's next quarter. Save us and your land. What is the song of gold, you plead? You will know it at first sight, the whispered words trail off and stop. The fairy folk are gone. The stones stand bare and cold beneath the moon. You and Derry stare at each other, wondering if you've been dreaming. It's seven days to the moon's next quarter, says Derry after a moment. 
It would take almost that long just to get to either Black Lake or Bleak Mountain, you say. Anyway, how can anyone rescue a... a song? It doesn't make sense. Should we even try? Asked Derry sharply. I mean, the two of us alone against sorcery? Well, well, maybe there isn't even a song of gold. Lulella was beautiful, but how do we know she was telling the truth? How do we know this isn't some sort of fairy trap? Come on, Ardan. You're the one who wants to be a bard. You decide what we should do. Now, we have three choices. One, we're not going to fall into any fairy trap, you cry. Let's go home. Turn to page 40. Number two, we can't fight sorcery alone. Derry, come, come on. We'll get my father's warriors to go with us. Turn to page 69. And number three, the fairy folk can't lie, Derry. If we couldn't rescue the song of gold, Lalel wouldn't have called us. Let's go. Turn to page 16. Well, let's see. What what would be... Now, the thing that probably is going to carry the story forward is the last choice. Now, what would a, what would a, what would a sensible person do? Probably number one. Or two. Well, let's see what happens just with number one. Turn to page 40. So this is like the, the boring answer, maybe. We'll see. Page 40. You and Derry hurry home through the moonlight as fast as you can go. When you finally reach the great clearing in which your village lies, the two of you stop short in horror. The village is gone. Where it should stand is nothing but a worn mound of earth. Well, this can't be, cries Derry. We must be in the wrong clearing. But you stoop to pick up a piece of rusted metal. On it is your father's crest of a baying wolf. It's the right place, you say slowly. Oh, Derry, fairy time isn't like our own time. Hundreds of years might have passed while we were talking to Lelal. Well, what are we going to do? Derry demands. Well, there isn't much we can do except go back to the place of the old ones and wait and hope that the fairy folk return. But you fear it's going to be a long, long wait. The end. Well, that was a short, uh, uh, that was a short story. Let's see what number two goes to. So they get the warriors. Page 69. Okay. Soon you and Derry reach the wooden palisade that surrounds your village. The guards let you enter, shaking their hands. Better be careful, Ardan, they warn you in low voices. Your father's mad at you, mad at the bee-stung bear, or mad as a bee-stung bear. He is too, because before you can make it all the way to your house, uh, Crawdag pounces on you and Derry. Go home, yells at Derry. Go. With a desperate glance at you, Derry obeys his chieftain. Then Crawdag turns his full attention to you. Young fool, he shouts. How dare you disobey me? How dare you stay out at the night? The night of the full moon. Father, please, I have to tell you, you have nothing to tell me. But this is important, you cry. Quickly, you tell him about Lalel and the Song of Gold. When you are done, your father's face remains angry. Don't you believe me, you ask? and glance about at his warriors. Their faces are angry, too. Doesn't anyone believe me? Crawdag's st- strong hand clamps down on your shoulder. I never thought a son of mine was stooped to lying, he mutters. I'm not lying, you protest. I- but you don't get a chance to finish. Your father flings you into one of the sturdy wooden storage sheds, and you hear the door being locked behind you. Stay there till you've learned some sense, are Crawdag's parting words, and all your shouts after him have no effect. You try your best, but you can't find a way out of the shed. The lock is too strong. You can't reach the hinges of the door, and you can't dig your way out. Not with your bare hands. At last, you let yourself slide slowly to the floor. You know Crawdag was only rough because he was worried about you. But you could be in here for days. I haven't got days, you groan. 
I've got to get the song of gold before the moon's next quarter. Then, just when all seems lost, you hear someone fumbling at the lock. The door swings open and Derry stands in the doorway. You stare at him in delight. On his back is a pack. He's holding a second pack out to you. There's, you see dried meat sticking out of it and some cheese, too. He's even brought your small practice harp. I didn't think anyone would believe you, Derry said. I guess we'll just have to go after the song of gold on our own. You grin gratefully, your friend. Come on. So please turn to page 16. You and Derry camp out in the forest for the rest of the night. Neither of you sleeps very well. You're too busy wondering what unimagined dangers and adventures lie ahead in this quest. When the morning sun first shines through the leaves, you know it's time to make a vital decision. The Song of Gold is either at Black Lake or a uh, Bleak Mountain. Where shall you start your search? Well, we've only got time to do one of them, Derry reminds you. I know the way to Black Lake, but it's through the swamp. I'm not so sure about the route to Bleak Mountain, but mm, it's out in the open and might be safer. Which way do you think you should go? If you trust Derry to bring you safely through the swamp to Black Lake, turn to page 121. If you think you'd rather try the search on Bleak Mountain, turn to page 86. Hmm. Well, let's see. Let's see. Well, let's pick one. Should we trust Derry or should we try to go on our own through the mountain? Well, why don't we go with Derry? And so let's go to 121. You were right about one thing, you grumbled to Derry, slapping away mosquitoes for the hundredth time. This is definitely a swamp. Are you sure you know where you're going? Of course, answers Derry firmly. Uh, at least I think so. What? Derry, if you've gotten us lost. No, 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 no. It's just it's getting so dark. I can't see where I'm going. You sigh. You're hungry, tired. You really don't want to have to spend yet another night in this miserable place. Then up ahead, you see something. Oh, Terry, look, a light. He laughs triumphantly. Somebody lives around here. We'll be able to sleep under a real roof tonight. Come on, Ardan, let's go. But you hesitate, feeling a prickle of fear run up your spine. Who would choose to live in the middle of a swamp? Who or what? All right, so if you think the two of you had better ignore the light and stay right where you are, turn to page 64. If you'd rather head toward the light, turn to page 47. So, well, let's go see what the light is. Okay. Derry, I don't like this, he whispered gently, or urgently, rather. We've been heading for that light for some time, but I can't... Oh, I can't... It, it doesn't get any closer. So I made a mistake, Derry uh, says cheerfully. It's not the lantern from a house. It must be the lantern of someone going to a house. Either way, we'll get a chance to sleep warm and dry tonight. Come on, Ardan, hurry up. Somehow you don't want to hurry. Maybe you're just being foolish, and yet maybe you'd better play it safe and not follow around any mysterious light. Or maybe you should just try something different. After all, you did learn some bardic skills, even though, well, right now they don't seem to be all that impressive to you. Perhaps you should try to charm that light bearer and find out just who he is. So if you, if despite your misgivings, you hurry after Derry, turn to page 130. If you decide that you and Derry should stop before it's too late, turn to page 84. If you decide to try a bardic charm, turn to page 31. Well, why don't we try a bardic charm? I don't even know what that is, but let's do it. Derry, stop, you call out fiercely, and he does, staring at you. We can't go running blindly through a swamp at night, you explain, fumbling for the small harp strapped to your back. Now, only if you can remember the proper charm. At first, your magic sounds weak and unsure. You deliberately call 
to mind your memories of your mother, remembering her bardic skills. Little by little, your touch becomes surer and your fingers stronger, and your music stronger, rather. The lantern bearer draws closer and closer, and suddenly you realize there isn't a bearer at all. In front of you is only a glowing light, the light of a deadly will-o'-wisp. With a gasp of horror, Derry whips out his sword. A sword isn't going to hurt that thing, you whisper frantically. Wait a minute. If you remember correctly, magic shouldn't affect a will-o'-wisp either. That means your bardic charm shouldn't have worked. Your music should not have drawn the creature to you. Oh, all right, you call out, trying to keep your the voice from shaking. Who are you? What are you? You think you hear a ch- uh, chuckle. There's a blurring before your eyes, and the will-o'-wisp vanishes, and you find yourself facing a small, rocky, bearded figure dressed in brown and browns and greens and holding a, a beautifully wrought lantern. A gnome, says Darian in amazement. Human boys, answers the gnome in amusement. The small figure lashes or flashes you a quick grin. Didn't mean to give you such a fright, lads. A simple illusion, that's all it was. No harm in it for you. Because, well, you can't be too careful these days. Not with the strange dark, ma- dark magic that's been about lately. You realize the gnome must be talking to Malgra- about Malgrath. Then you see that Derry is about to speak. But before your friend can blurt out the dark druid's name, you quickly step on his toes, and Derry gives you a startled look, and you shake your head faintly. Better to keep quiet about your quest until you know more about this gnome. Suddenly, some, something you just heard pops into your mind. Just like the Will-O-Wisp's gnomes aren't supposed to be affected by magic. And my charm didn't work at all, you mutter disappointedly. My music didn't force you to come to us. Well, it almost did, said the gnome heart. heart uh, heartily, you have the makings of a fine bard in you for a human, uh, and don't be giving me those skeptical looks either. I may not be one of your high proud lords of fairy, but I know what's what. You just have to believe in yourself a bit more, my boy. He shakes his head and frowns. But now I'm wondering what two human lads might be doing wandering around the swamp this at, at night. There he glances quickly at you. After you're, after you're stepping on his toes, he's not about to say anything. It's up to you to decide what to tell the gnome. So do we decide that the gnome's words about dark magic meant that he's on your side and you want to tell him all about your quest? Well, so let's turn to 84. If you choose not to trust this stranger, turn to page 101. Let's see. Well, let's, uh, it, is, it is a little odd. It just comes about. Let's just say we choose not to trust him. Well, for all you know, you think this gnome could be in, Mal- in Malgras' employ. So you say as innocently as you can, we were out hunting, my friend and I, and we got ourselves lost. We're only trying to find the path back home. The gnome studies you for a moment. Does he know you're lying? But, hmm. He merely nods and says, so be it, and disappears. Where, where did he go? asked Terry. I don't know. Come on, let's get out of here and go to the Black Lake. In the middle of your long, your night-long walk, you stop short, Terry. I know this path. I do too. It leads to our village. He groans. We must be, well, we must be, be, have come in a big circle. I guess we'll just to start all over again. You walk all the next day, just as night begins to fall. You and Derry both groan. This is the path to our village again, you cry. But that's impossible, Derry says. I'm sure we didn't take the wrong path. A dreadful thought occurs to you, but you say nothing. Finally, after you and Derry try again and again to get away from the village, you're forced to admit the truth. 
You told the gnome that you just wanted to find the path back home. And from now on, that's all you're going to be able to find. Your quest has failed. Oh, the end. Oof. Okay, well, we will stop there today and pick up in the future and maybe try a different path. So I thought we would pick this one because we rec I recorded with my brother a podcast on the Dungeons & Dragons movie. So this is a little prelude into an early form of Dungeons & Dragons that at least I knew. Thanks as always for listening. I will talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, w-r-i-t-e-j-o-s-h-u-a-b-l-u-m at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's ko-fi slash 13thhr. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.